first four verses of Proverbs 3. Once you found that, if you could, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Loved hearing the report about Kayla. And uh, boy, it's good to hear she was in the service today, rejoicing over that, and thank, thankful that our church is known as a friendly place, and uh, people feel they can come back. And so, praise God for that. Proverbs 3, the Bible says, My son, forget not my law. But let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Look back at verse 3. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake thee. The title of the sermon tonight is this, have mercy and truth forsaken you. Let's pray. Lord, help us to take the, um, the wonderful message laid out here for us by the wisest man ever to live. And Lord, to glean from it. Uh, the sermon this morning and this evening are both hovering around this idea of being balanced. We looked at the importance of balancing our work and our worship this morning. Tonight, we'll talk about the vital truth of balancing mercy and truth. And so, Lord, help us to see uh, with our eyes what we need to see out of the passage. Help us to hear and help us to feel uh, that which we need to feel and make the changes necessary in our life. May we be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, many of you here are aware Proverbs wrote the book, uh, rather, Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs to his son Rehoboam. Uh, to properly prepare him for the kingdom. Let's just say that Rehoboam did a good job of wasting away one of the greatest books ever written. Um, uh, Rehoboam, in short order, split the kingdom and uh, handled, uh, let's just say, fumbled things about as quickly as he could have. And uh, the concept of mercy and truth, these two concepts, they seem to be on a collision course. They seem to be conflicting ideas. Um, mercy could be defined this way. Mercy is letting someone off or giving an offender a pass. Giving an offender a pass. How many of you here have ever needed someone else to show you mercy? All right. How many of you here at some point have exercised mercy, someone else's direction? Hopefully your hand went up for both of those. Um, synonyms for mercy would be faithfulness, goodness, Graciousness, faithfulness, goodness, graciousness. And so the idea of mercy, mercy. How about truth? Well, truth would be a little bit of a different idea, paradoxical in nature to mercy. Truth could be defined a state or condition of being dependable and loyal to a person or standard. So loyal to a standard, holding to a standard, expecting everyone else to hold to that standard, and consequences ensuing when that standard is not met. Synonyms for truth would be constancy, duration, trustworthiness, firmness. King Solomon is telling his son that one day when he rules the kingdom, he is to lead that kingdom with a perfect balance of mercy and truth. In fact, um, Solomon's father, David, Rehoboam's grandfather, would say this in Psalm chapter 85 and verse 10. He would say, mercy and truth are met together. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Do you find it hard 
to get along with other people in your life? Do you find that everywhere you go, there seems to be strife and contention hovering around you? Do you feel as though you are surrounded with both outward and inward frustration and anger? Another way to ask these questions is this, have mercy and truth forsaken you? I believe that if we learn to strike a perfect balance between these two spiritual garments, uh, then we will find that God gives us both peace and favor with our fellow man and fellow woman and with our Heavenly Father. So let's look tonight at four thoughts, four thoughts about this idea of embracing or putting on the garments of mercy and truth. All right, point number one, thought number one, the character of of God, the character of God. In the New Testament, we find Jesus as being described as grace and truth. John 1:14, the Bible says, "And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father." So, the glory of God, the the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God, uh, and it says this about Jesus: full of grace. And truth, grace and truth. Verse 17 explains the change from law to grace where it says for the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. However, in the Old Testament, you will find again and again that God the Father is described as epitomizing or uh, being the bastion of a perfect balance of mercy and truth, mercy and truth. Psalm chapter 25 and verse 10 says this, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth uh, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimony. Psalm 86 verse 15 says, but thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious, long suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth, mercy and truth. Psalm 108 And verse 4, the Bible says, For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. So these two ideas of showing someone mercy and then coming down hard with truth, the Bible says that God the Father is a perfect balance of mercy and truth. These are just a handful of the verses in the Old Testament that lay out this idea of God being a perfect balance of mercy and truth. Letter A, notice his everlasting Mercy, his everlasting mercy. Take your Bible over to Psalm 100. Hold your place there in um, uh, Proverbs chapter number three. Quickly uh, thumb your way over to Psalm 100. I quoted a good chunk of this chapter in the service this morning. Look at verse number five there. We're going to look at uh, this concept of mercy and truth being the character of our God. All laid out in Psalm 100 verse number five. The Bible says, for the Lord is good. Read this next phrase with me. Ready? His mercy is everlasting. You know what that means? That means God's mercy is unlimited. Aren't you glad that God's mercy cannot be exhausted? Aren't you glad that we serve a God of a second chance and a third chance and a hundredth chance and a millionth chance? How many of you are on the 10 millionth chance at this point in your life? God is unlimited in his mercy. Uh, 1 John 1, 9 lays that out for us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You may remember when Peter came to Jesus in Matthew 18 and said, uh, if I, my brother offend me seven times, am I done? Is that the cutoff point? And, and, and the Lord replied, no, 70 times seven. Or uh, the idea there is that there is no cutoff. You just keep forgiving and forgiving and you show mercy and you show mercy. And I'm so glad that when I come to God in true uh, remorse and repentance over my sin, that I have a God who is there to forgive me. He's there to show me that mercy, his mercy is everlasting. There is no grudge that God holds toward us. There is no uh, a, a silent treatment or, or a, a passive aggressive attitude that God shows toward us. There is no a, a, a holding us at arm's length until we get the point uh, that God shows toward us. No, we draw nigh to God and he draws nigh to us. Why? Because his mercy is everlasting. We see here that it cannot be exhausted. It is a, uh, bo- there is no bottom to it. It is bottomless in nature. His everlasting mercy, letter B, we see his enduring truth. His enduring truth. Look at Psalm 100 and look at verse 5. Again, the Bible says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth, his truth endureth to all generations. Many people enjoy talking about God's mercy and love. When uh, On Wednesday nights, when we have a time where we have people share their favorite attributes of God, uh, hands go up, and uh, usually we hear, uh, thank God for his forgiveness, and thank God for his mercy, and thank God for his love. And all of the mercy-oriented attributes of God come out first. I rarely hear anyone raise their hand and say, thank God for his justice, and thank God for his uh, chastisement. Thank God for his punishment. And thank God that he throws the book at me sometimes. You rarely ever hear that, right? Uh, people love to emphasize the mercy and the love and the kindness and the forgiveness of God. Few people like to talk about the, 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 the truth and justice of God. God, tells, uh, God through his word tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Turn that on for me. Thank you very much. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Um, God is, uh, God loves sinners, but God hates sin. God loves sinners, but God hates hates sin. God is angry uh, toward the wicked, the Bible tells us. In fact, uh, Jesus said of God the Father in Luke chapter 13, verse 27 and 28, but he shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of of teeth. God is a God of truth. He has a standard. He holds mankind to. Um, Let me give you an example this way. What would this country be if all we did was show mercy and never applied truth, never put the rule of law and its full force and weight of consequences behind it? If all we did was uh, slap people on the wrist uh, after they were arrested for crimes and let them out on the streets and let them go where they wanted to go and do what they wanted to do. 
You know, that's been happening in some of our large cities across America over the last two years, three years. Uh, I've seen reports of people uh, uh, committing horrific crimes when they should have been behind bars, but some uh, attorney general of some city let them out of jail on a slap on the wrist bond uh, because uh, they didn't want uh, they didn't want to upset the system. And you know, we're 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 breeding. If we're not careful, we're breeding lawlessness in this country. Lawlessness. When you have mercy but no truth, mercy but no truth, that brings lawlessness. By the way, uh, that same principle applies in your home with your parenting. When all you want to do is let your kids off and let your kids off and let your kids off and you're not willing to punish and come down hard, boy, what you're doing is you're breeding lawlessness in your home. What would this country be if all we did was show truth? And no mercy. It'd be a dictatorship. It'd be ugly. Right? Um, uh, For any institution, whether that's a governmental institution or a church institution or a home institution, the three institutions in uh, the New Testament era that uh, we honor from Scripture, every institution to function, there must be a perfect balance of the two. There must be a perfect balance of mercy and truth, that that balance must exist in your home. That balance must exist within our church. That balance must exist within our government. That balance really for a good workplace uh, to, to be, a good workplace culture to exist, you need that balance at work. Um, we must see this. Why? Because God does this better than anyone. We see the character of God. Number two, we see the characteristics of mercy and truth. The characteristics of mercy and truth. Uh, so when you couple these together and you marry them in your heart, mercy and truth, and you learn to strike the balance, you learn how to walk that tightrope of mercy and truth, uh, what do you end up getting? Well, notice letter A, they plan for good. They plan for good. Uh, mercy and truth, when they're on the same team and they're working together, they end up planning for good. Take your Bibles over to Proverbs chapter 14 and verse number 22. Uh, verse number 22. When you have mercy and no truth, you have lawlessness. When you have truth and no mercy, you have a dictatorship. Uh, neither environment is healthy. Neither environment is good. No, we must have mercy and truth. We must have them working together. Uh, and when mercy and truth are on the same team, pulling in the same direction, those two together plan for good. Look at Proverbs 14 and verse 22. The Bible says, do they not err that devise evil, but mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good, that plan for good, that devise good. Have you ever known anyone who sat around and schemed up something evil? You ever known someone that sat around and schemed up something evil? Um, I have. I have seen some ugly, ugly things. In fact, uh, right out of Bible college, I was hired to be a Christian school teacher. Of all of the jobs that I have worked, that one was my least favorite. Okay, uh, I was not made to be a Christian school teacher. I was made to build, uh, made by God to be a pastor. And it wouldn't have been so bad, except I got put in purgatory. You say, I didn't think purgatory was in the Bible. Well, there is this thing called junior high math, and uh, that is purgatory. Uh, purgatory. And... Um, 
um, the ninth through 12th grade, I got along great with. Boy, we had a great relationship. Me and seventh graders, they just don't work. They just don't work. And um, I remember uh, I just was not getting along with this seventh grade class, and they were just talking whenever they wanted to talk. And no amount of demerits or sending them to the school office seemed to work. And I remember we got right down to the end of the school year, and there were two girls in the class. I won't say their names. I'm thinking of them right now. I'm picturing them in my head. My blood pressure is skyrocketing. Amen. Uh, But these two girls, um, I found out later that they devised a plan to get me all worked up and angry in class. You say, well, did it work? Yes, it worked. Lo and behold, one of the parents came walking in the uh, back door in the hallway right behind the classroom where I was teaching. And right when I threw my uh, temper tantrum and I was yelling and screaming at these kids at the top of my voice, this lady came walking in the hallway and about had a hissy fit and went and told on me. Um, You say, well, what happened to you? Well, I had about two weeks left on my contract, so nothing happened to me. But I I deserved uh, to be punished because I was way out of bounds. Professionally, it's the only time I've ever lost my temper, uh, ever, ever professionally lost my temper. These two girls had devised a plan in order to get me all worked up, and they executed it perfectly. They pulled it off, and uh, they were not punished. I, I was threatened to be punished. They were not punished on any level. I guess it had to be with there being two weeks of school left. Uh, the point I'm making is that some people sit around and they scheme up something evil, but when you learn to balance mercy and truth, instead what you do is you sit around and you scheme up things that are good. You look for people uh, that are struggling and wayward and going through a hardship, and instead of just looking to throw the book at them and punish them for uh, their waywardness, no, you're there to show them mercy and love and help bring them around. And and, and you see someone maybe who needs a a, a hard word spoken to them, and uh, you, you know that they need you in a spirit of meekness to confront them and lovingly care for them and bring them back in line as Galatians 6 uh, teaches and, and and you come along and you are thinking of their good. You are planning for their good. Why? Because you have a heart that's balanced in mercy and truth and that mercy and truth, all you want to see is the best for people. And I would ask this question tonight. Are you more interested in building your kingdom and advancing your cause or are you more interested in advancing God's kingdom and helping to advance others and bring them closer to the Lord? You see, because when we have our heart in the right place, mercy and truth being balanced is an outpouring of that. And everyone we look at and everyone we see, we come from a worldview and a desire to bring them closer to the Lord. I have learned in my six years of being pastor here that no matter how hard you try, sometimes you make enemies. Sometimes people decide they just don't like you. And no matter what you do, no matter what you try, some people just aren't going to like you and You know, all I can say is that I am obligated by the Lord to show mercy and truth to everyone under my watch care. Everyone. I'm not going to be judged one day for how people respond or retaliate my direction, but I am going to be judged one day before God on whether or not I lived with a balance of mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. What happens when you bring mercy and truth together? They plan for good. Now let me make it practical where... You live where you live. Some of you here are supervisors at work or employers at work. You are the boss 
Others of you here are parents or grandparents. You need to live with a balance of mercy and truth under all those that look up to you and your authority, all those that depend on your authority. It is imperative, it is a must that you get mercy and truth balanced in your heart and you use those two characteristics to, uh, uh, to bring about good in the life of those that call you leader. Letter A, they plan for good. Letter B, they purge iniquity. They purge iniquity. Uh, go over to Proverbs chapter 16. Uh, verse number 6. Should just be a page over from where we were or so. Proverbs 16 and verse number 6. <clears throat> the Bible says, By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When you have these two things coupled together... You can lovingly and carefully purge away iniquity from your presence. Both the iniquity that is in your own heart and also the iniquity of those around you. Why? Because you are working hard to balance mercy and truth. You're not afraid of confrontation when it's necessary because you have truth in balance. Uh, you're not afraid to cut someone some slack and let love cover a multitude of sin. Because you are in balance and you're walking with the Lord and the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you and telling you when to cut someone some slack and uh, when to let them work through things on their own. And the Spirit of God is leading you and guiding you and telling you when to confront a brother or sister in the spirit of meekness and help restore them and bear their burden and, 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 and fulfill the law of Christ. You are seeking to purge iniquity because at the end of the day, you love God and you love others, the two greatest commandments, and you're walking in the nature of God. You're walking in uh, the footsteps of your God. And uh, there's that uh, balance of mercy and truth that brings about a purging of iniquity within your own heart and a purging of iniquity of those who look up to you and call you leader in some form of another. We see they plan for good. They purge iniquity. Notice letter C, they preserve authority. They preserve authority. Proverbs 20. Turn over to Proverbs 20 and verse number 28. Proverbs chapter 20. We have a real authority problem in our country right now. We have a real authority problem within our own hearts right now. Um, parents are not respected like they used to be. School teachers are not respected like they used to be. Christian school, public school alike. Um, school administrators, police officers, mayors, governors. Let me just say uh, presidents. Listen, you may disagree with the politics of our governor, our former president, our current president. It is never, ever okay for you to demean their office. Ever. Ever. Uh, you may not agree with uh, their politics, and you have a right to be uh, a dissenting voice and, and use that dissenting voice to bring about change. But, my friend, you be careful not to wander into terms that are uh, pejoratives in nature and derogatory and, and, and undermining and nasty. Uh, we have a real authority problem in this country. Uh, I, I remember as a child going to 
uh, high school, Christian high school basketball games. How many of you here have ever been to a Christian varsity basketball game? Anybody here? A handful of you. You want to see some carnal Christians go to a Christian high school basketball game. I have never seen referees treated so poorly than I have at a Christian high school basketball game. And I can say this uh, from a place of I played high school basketball and I coached high school basketball. I never one time received a technical because I have tried to live by this principle of mercy and truth. I got close a couple of times, but uh, I never have, never did receive a technical. But can I tell you, I would watch parents tell their kids, you need to respect me. You need to follow my leadership and then sit in the stands and berate the authority on the basketball court. Call them all kinds of names. And I've seen parents and uh, uh, coaches be kicked out of gyms because of their, their, their temper tantrums they were pitching. And what are we telling our kids when we berate the authority on a sports field or court? And, and, and we're, we're undermining our own authority. By the way, you have kids that go to school and you don't agree with the decision that the teacher makes at school. Don't you have that teacher for, for lunch or dinner? Uh, you make sure that those children know that you stand in line with the teacher. And when you disagree with the teacher, you work that out privately with the teacher. You don't need to undermine the authority of a teacher in front of your own children or undermine the authority of a Sunday school worker or a church worker uh, here at church. Don't go home and have a roast pastor for lunch. Uh, you may not like what I preach. You may not like my personality. You may not agree with the way I run the church, but you be very careful of what you say to other people because what you're doing is you're not only hurting the authority of the uh, uh, person you're attacking, you're hurting your own authority. You're tearing yourself down. You're hurting yourself. You see, because when your kids or those that look up to you and call you leader hear you attacking other authority, it's not just other authority you're undermining. It's your own authority that you're undermining. Look at Proverbs chapter 20, verse 28. The Bible says, Mercy and truth preserve the king, and his throne is upholden by mercy. It's amazing when you get to be uh, my age and your kids get to be in their preteens, how cyclical life begins to become. I can remember being uh, 10, 11, 12 years old, and I can remember being very critical of, of authority, thinking, I can't believe they got this wrong, and I can't believe they didn't do this right, and, and boy, that, that teacher didn't get, uh, that teacher had a, a bad judgment there, and and, and boy, I can't believe that person acted in that way. And I can remember my father and my mother saying to me, uh, listen, when you blow it, when you blow it, don't you want an authority figure to cut you some slack? That's a fair point, right? Well, then maybe when they blow it, you should cut them some slack. Now I find myself giving the same advice to my kids. It's amazing how that works, isn't it? Um, now that I'm on this side of the, of the desk, this side of the table, if you will, boy, I sure like it when people show me mercy when I don't always get it right. Amen? Mercy and truth preserve the king. Let me just say to all the leaders in the room, whether you're a husband, a parent, a, 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 an employer, uh, maybe you're a teacher, you oversee a classroom, you have some 
uh, uh, ministry area here that you oversee some group of people in some way, a deacon. Uh, we could make a long list of various uh, uh, forms of authority. Let me say that the goal for you is to learn to strike a balance of mercy and truth. Mercy and truth. Learn how to cut someone some slack every now and then. Learn how uh, to, to strike that balance of being truthful, of being truthful, and, and knowing when uh, to, to apply both. We see, number one, the character of God. Number two, the characteristics of mercy and truth. Number three, notice the corrupting of mercy and truth. The corrupting of mercy and truth. Have you ever been hurt by authority? Have you ever been hurt by authority? Chances are you have. Most everyone has been hurt by authority in some form or another. We live in a world where mercy and truth for so many people are so far out of balance. And when uh, those are out of balance, people get hurt. And sometimes people are severely hurt to the place where they are abused. Um, every time authority acts out of line, they have in some way perverted these two concepts. Let me give you an A and a B here. And by no means are these um, uh, complete. We, I'm sure we could come up with other ways that mercy and truth are corrupted. But for sake of time, let me give you an A and a B. Notice letter A we reverse their roles. We reverse their roles. Um, look at uh, pro- back at our, our text, Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 3. Proverbs 3 and verse 3. The truth I'm about to share with you right here may be life-changing for someone. May totally alter the way you go about living your life. This is a this is a pivot point. If you're not already doing what I'm sharing, this is a pivot point moment in your life. Look at Proverbs three verse three. It says, "Let not mercy and truth forsake thee." Now, I'm going to speak uh, into two categories here. The first category is for those of which you have authority. If you are an authority figure, then there are times where you need to exercise mercy to those under your watch care. And there are times where you need to come down with truth. And as I've already stated in this message, it's on you to be walking with the Lord to know when truth needs to be applied and when mercy needs to be applied. You all know what I mean when I say truth. We always need to walk in truth. But when we need to come down hard with the rules, right? How about for those that are not under your authority? This is where we get in trouble. This is where we get in trouble. Can I tell you what our sin nature is really good at? It's really good at applying mercy to ourselves and truth to everyone else. We give ourselves second, third, fourth, fifth chances. But we don't always give everyone else a second, third, fourth, or fifth chance. See, we're really good at applying mercy here and truth out there. When what we need to learn to do is apply truth here and mercy out there. Truth here and mercy out there. Hey, someone didn't text you back. Get over yourself. I mean it. Right? 
Someone unfriended you on Facebook. Oh, cry me a river. Right? That hurts your digital feelings, right? Someone didn't, someone didn't like uh, your Instagram post. They like everyone else's Instagram post, but they didn't like your Instagram post. In fact, they never like your Instagram post. Learn to show mercy to other people. Here's, here's a good principle to live by, okay? Make excuses for everyone else's behavior. Learn to live that way. Make excuses for everyone else's behavior. Have a large graveyard where you bury the offenses of others on a regular basis. Learn to show mercy to others. Learn to show mercy to others. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to let go. Don't be a legalist. And I don't mean legalism in the sense of uh, someone who believes they have to work their way to heaven. I mean legalist in you're holding people to a stringent set of rules. And if they don't follow that stringent set of rules, then they're not on good terms with you. Oh, my friend, learn to apply truth to yourself. Hey, when you fail to text someone back, apologize up and down. But when someone else doesn't text back, forgive, forgive, forgive. When you fail to pay a bill on time, boy, you call that company up and apologize up and down. But when someone doesn't pay you back right away, forgive, forgive, forgive. Learn to live by this principle. You see, we corrupt mercy and truth when we reverse their roles. We learn to apply mercy to ourselves. And we're hard and we're, 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 we're coming down with truth on everybody else. And my friend, that's a miserable way to live your life. If you're a leader here, do you understand how much you wear people out when you cut yourself all kinds of slack and you don't ever cut those who follow you any slack? Do you understand how harsh and hard that is to live under those circumstances? Hold yourself to a high standard. Set the bar high. Boy, wake up uh, at a decent time every morning and live your life that's principled and regimented and read your Bible and pray. and Be busy serving the Lord and, and, and hold yourself to a high standard at work. Be the first one in the door if you can be. The last one out the door if you can be. Cut your lunch break short by five minutes and, and, and go over and above. To the kids in here, don't just do enough of your homework to skirt by and, and, and get by. No, you, you go over and above. And you do your, your work in a way that you're not turning it into the teacher. You're turning it in to the Lord. And hold yourself to a high standard. But boy, learn to show mercy to other people. You see, mercy and truth get corrupted when we reverse their roles. Let her be. Mercy and truth get corrupted when we refuse to wear them. When we refuse to wear them. Go back to Proverbs 3. Look at verse 3. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. You see, this is something that's to be worn. Almost like a necklace. That's tied around your neck. And uh, it does not come off. Uh, You wear them constantly. Mercy and truth. 
Everything that you do, everywhere that you go, everything that you handle is handled through the scope, the the lens of mercy and truth. And some parents are excellent at showing mercy to their children, but refuse to apply truth. And you know what? Uh, That might work for a while, but I trust me, when those kids get to be in their teen years, if they've gotten away with murder as a toddler and as a, 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 a junior and then as a preteen, you're going to have your hands full when they get into their teen years. You learn uh, that the time to show truth to, a, to a, a child of yours is when they are little. When they are little. Uh, listen, it's not time to show mercy to a two-year-old when they throw their cup on the floor, pitch a, a, a pitch a fit, and refuse to pick up the cup. That's a time for you to, to, to show truth. That's a time for you to come down and show them you are in charge. Some parents refuse to wear, uh, the, the, um, uh, wear the, the necklace of truth. They just want to show mercy all the time. And when that child gets older, what they have on their hands is a rebellious child because mom, is, mom and dad are their friends, but mom and dad are not. They're authoritarian. And you have lawlessness in your home, and a lawless home is a miserable home. Some parents are excellent at applying truth but refuse to show mercy. Refuse to show mercy. This is the uh, stereotypical drill instructor dad who forgets when he comes home. He isn't the drill instructor at home, okay? And uh, he's uh, regimented and, and holding everyone to a regimented schedule and has little relationship with the family. By the way, these same principles apply at work. Apply at work. If you're an employer or a supervisor, uh, work to strike a balance at work of a culture where you are friendly but not their friends. You are friendly but not their friends. And you know, they know who the boss is. And they know where the line is. And they know uh, that you will hold them to that line. Uh, Don't be someone who wears truth and never puts on the cloak of mercy. Don't be someone who wears uh, mercy but never puts on the cloak of truth. My friend, wear them both and wear them well. Uh, Number one, we see the character of God. Number two, the characteristics of mercy and truth. Number three, the uh, corrupting of mercy and truth. Number four, notice the crowning of mercy and truth. The crowning of mercy and truth. When we choose to master these two powerful concepts, we crown ourselves with some incredible rewards. Letter A, notice quantity of life. Quantity of life. Look at Proverbs chapter 3 with me. Look at verse 2. The Bible says, For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Length of days and long life. Um, When you learn to apply the principles in mercy and truth, generally, overall, you have relationships that are happier and better. And I'll just tell you right now that when your relationships are right, uh, generally speaking, your health is better. Your health is better. Now, that's not always the case. We know that's not always the case. We live in a sin-fallen, sin-cursed world, and sometimes people with great relationships still get sick and die at a young age or uh, their, their life is limited. But generally speaking, when you are living by the principles of mercy and truth, the marrow in your bones is healthier 
the blood that's made by that those marrow by that bone marrow is is, is better, and your overall health is better, and you have longer days on planet Earth. Uh, your life is better because you're living your life by the principles of mercy and truth. You're balancing these properly in your life. Quantity of life, letter B, notice quality of life. Quality of life, because there's no other letter Q in the English language that would work in that blank. No, quality of life. And that does fit the text. Look at Proverbs 3 and verse 2. For length of days and long life, look here, and peace, and peace. There's that quality, and peace shall they add to thee. Look down at verse 4. So shalt thou find favor, there's quality, and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Good understanding, favor, in the sight of God and and man, listen, if you told me today that I was going to live the rest of my life with only $100 in my pocket at any one time, but I was going to have peace, and I was going to have favor, and I was going to have good understanding in the sight of God, man, for the rest of my life, hey, sign me up for that. Right? That's a quality of life that you can't, uh, you, you can't beat. I'd take that over a million dollars in the bank and a beautiful mansion that, that, that all the taxes are paid for for the rest of my life. I would take that in a heartbeat. Many people who are wealthy, not all, but many people who are wealthy, they struggle with quality of life. They might have quantity of life. They struggle with quality of life. They become paranoid toward everyone and believe they're after their money. And their money is, is everything to them. Uh, listen, uh, 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 Solomon told Rehoboam here, he said, learn to balance mercy and truth. Learn to wear them around your neck. Uh, learn to wear them as a cloak. Learn to balance those. Learn to have those working together as a team. And what you'll find is peace. What you'll find is favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Have you ever looked at a seasoned Christian and wonder how they seem to get along so well with everyone? They just seem to get along with everyone. They don't have personality rubs. Rarely do they have a personality rub. Um, I can tell you their secret. They've learned to balance mercy and truth. They've learned when it's time to cut someone some slack. And they've learned when it's time for confrontation. And they've learned how to do confrontation well. You know, you can be confrontational without being a jerk. You aware of that? By the way, if you avoid confrontation, inevitably that relationship is going to become compromised. You hear about the man who uh, on his wedding day, uh, or rather the week after he got married, he, he didn't uh, want to offend his wife, and so uh, she prepared his eggs over easy. He hated eggs over easy, but in order not to offend her, he told her, he said, these are great. Forty years later, he finally broke the news to her. I don't like eggs over easy. I've never liked eggs over easy. And boy, do they ever have a fight. Poor guy for 40 years, he's eating eggs he didn't like. Confront, a lack of confrontation leads to compromise. Now, listen, when it comes to your eggs, who cares? Whatever. But you get the greater principle here. Imagine at work that you never are willing to take a stand. And the quality of the work begins to slide because you're not willing to hold people accountable. Imagine at home, you're not willing to hold people accountable. Your children or husbands, your wife accountable uh, in areas that are spiritual and that matter and that are godly. 
You're not willing to confront where confrontation's needed. And you're not willing to do it in a way that's kind and, and, and Christ-like and spirit-filled. What you're going to end up having is a home that is compromised. A home that is compromised. We must learn to wear the cloak of mercy and truth. We must learn how to confront. I'm just going to, listen, I'm not meaning to park here uh, just to uh, ramble and and, and run around in a circle and, and continue to chase my tail. The reason why I'm hammering this confrontation thing is because so many of us are so terrible at it. We're terrible at it. We're we live in a culture, we live in a time where we're really good at cutting people slack. We're not so good at holding people accountable. And we have to get to a place where we learn how to confront in a Christ-like, meek, and careful way. You meet someone who seems to get along well and have long-term relationships with people. You've met someone who's learned to master mercy and truth. You've met someone who's learned how to apply the principle and mercy of, of mercy and truth. Do you find yourself constantly at the center of strife and contention? Have mercy and truth forsaken you? Another way to ask this would be, have you forsaken mercy and truth? Today my prayer is that you will learn to balance these two powerful staples of the Christian life. This morning we talked about work and worship. Tonight, mercy and truth. Boy, let's get these things in balance. Let's be that Christian that has that just weight. That is the, the, the Lord's reward. Lord, I pray tonight that you would work in our hearts. Would you put your finger, Spirit of God, would you put your finger on where our lives are out of balance? Would you help us to commit in the days and weeks to come to get that in balance? Maybe some folks in here have reversed the roles. They're really good at showing uh, truth to everyone else and mercy to themselves. They need to get that reversed. Maybe some people here have laid down the cloak and refused to even wear it. They're not doing their part. God, help all of us tonight to be shown by your Spirit how we can be better at this, how we can be in balance. Lord, guide us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed and eyes closed. The altar's open. The piano is playing. I encourage you to come at this time and bend a knee and do business with the Lord. Are you in balance with mercy and truth? Is there an area here where you can improve? Let's, let's, let's speak to the Lord right now. Let's ask him for his help in this area. Some are coming. Will you join them? Maybe a husband and wife want to come kneel and pray and ask God for that wisdom of how to have that mercy and truth balanced in their home. Maybe you want to come and bend a knee and pray for someone in your life who's struggling with this. Maybe you have another need altogether different from the message and you want to bear your soul to the Lord. Let's, let's speak to the Lord tonight and ask God for His help.
all right, you can look this way. Well, uh, I just want to add one more little thing before we uh, sing our last song. And that's this. If you're married in here tonight, uh, chances are that one of you is more truth-oriented and the other is more mercy-oriented. Learn how to appreciate that in the other one. Learn to work together as a team. Don't let that become a point of contention between you and your spouse. Uh, If you're mercy-oriented, please understand you need the other spouse to hold you accountable to to, to enforce the rules. And if you're truth-oriented, you need your spouse to help you to make sure that you're merciful from time to time. And so don't squabble in front of your kids or... Uh, if you're at work and, and you've got a, a, a co-owner of your company or whatever, don't squabble from the other employees. Learn how to um, deal with those things in private and be together. Be together. Get those two working together. Uh, don't fight with each other. Work together on it. All right.